Welcome to Coda Conversations. Today we have special guest Patrick Malloy. Uh, he's a junior developer. Just get, uh, been in the industry. How long have you been in the industry? Uh, professionally, a month. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, man. Uh, you mind telling us uh, what what got you interested in coding, and what were you doing before uh, you got in the industry? So I actually had um, I was hanging out over at some some family's house, and they had a friend over. And they're like, oh, yeah, you, you'll, you know, they're introducing him before he came over. It's like, oh, you'll love him. He's in the Bay Area. He does coding. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I don't really have any interest in that. So I thought. <laughs> and uh, he he walked me through um, like HTML, CSS. I'm like, this is actually really cool and seemingly straightforward. Of course, you know, HTML and CSS, it's not, it, 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 it can have complexity to it, but he showed me like the bare bones, basic, like just, you know, little breadcrumbs. Um, so he showed me that and then he showed me like some vanilla JavaScript. And then after a few weeks of doing that, I enrolled in a boot camp and I was like, okay, this is definitely something I can see myself doing. Flash forward a few years later and several job applications later, um, we're, we're developing professionally. Um, in the company I'm at now, we use, um, uh, we were talking about this earlier. We use Vue on the front end, and then we use a .NET, um, C Sharp .NET on the back end. It's a uh, banking, uh, a lot of banking clients, and they they seem to want to stay with what they already have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I, we could talk about just that for like an hour. But um, it's a really good company to work for, from what I've from what I've seen so far. Yeah, it seems like you have the typical experience most uh, newbies in the industry have. They have to apply to hundreds of companies, go through countless rounds of interviews. Uh, how did you keep yourself like mentally focused, uh, you know, after all the rejections? So while I was doing that, my industry was sales and it was door to door sales. And I was self-employed in door to door sales. So it's like rejection was just I mean, that was that was a daily thing. It was just it was adding one more rejection to the several other rejections. So it really wasn't necessarily a need to, I guess it was different for me just because I was so used to it because, you know, in sales, 80 to 90 something percent is rejection. Uh, but still after seeing like hundreds of, um, you know, I had, I had this Excel spreadsheet and it had like all these companies I applied for the link. And then it was like red, 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 red. <laughs> so seeing that, um, that was kind of discouraging. So to stay motivated, I stopped tracking them. <laughs> <laughs> Simply put, uh, just because, you know, you see red and it's just, you know, it's bad color, psychologically speaking, and it's it's discouraging. But to keep myself motivated, I, I got on LinkedIn, um, which ultimately led me to this, this role. Um, but just seeing a bunch of people, it's like getting the, I'm excited to announce, I'm happy to announce, just seeing those posts seeing their work on GitHub. I'm like, okay, my work is about where theirs is. I'm next in line to get a job. That's kind of, you know, just had to stick with it. Roger, did you find your uh, experience when you first got in the industry to be similar or did you get a job immediately? <laughs> no, it took me some time to, to get the job. It's honest, I, I graduated in 2020, so the industry was not good back then. Uh, me too, absolutely. Everybody's, you know, layoffs and everything. I would say it is harder for boot camps because, like, they don't have the necessary, I would say, the necessary basics. 
for them to get into the companies like even though they have all the github links and everything i personally don't think the bootcamp is teaching the people how to interview or the interview questions basically they're teaching them like okay day to day work like you know how to use git how to use this but interview is a whole different game are you referring to things like uh leak code questions or technical interviews not just that like even like uh, normal questions like if i ask you like hey how to do this in react how to do that in react i don't mm. think the interview they, they don't like make you ready for the interview they make you ready for the job that's how they, that's how they even like advertise i guess get the job like this so you are going to do it in the actual job but i need to go through the interview to get to the job though so mm-hmm. i need to practice for the interview the job comes later Patrick, do you feel like your uh, boot camp prepared you both on the interview and the job side i feel like it prepared me i don't think it prepared me on the interview side we did have some questions it was cool because in each module it would have like this is something you should know for an interview they may ask you this um I remember we did like the FizzBuzz, you know, exercise. We went through that, which everyone everyone loves FizzBuzz. But I, you know, I've never used it in an interview. So, um, I guess the most preparation I received for interviews was just asking TAs and the instructor what their process was like. And I'm I'm in uh, Virginia, by the way, so I guess it's it's regional. It's different. A lot of us we start in .NET, and then we get we eventually get back to JavaScript, <laughs> but. Um, I remember I was talking to some of my um, my TAs and they're like, yeah, so it's just a take home interview. Some people, they don't really do whiteboards. And if they do, it's nothing crazy. Cause it's like, you know, you had the meme of, it's like you have, it's like this meme, I, I'll have to find it, but basically you have the, the job itself. And it's like a guy like kicking a ball or something. And then you have the technical interview and it's like some guy trying to decode the matrix. And it's like, okay, yeah, <laughs> so it, it tracks perfectly. But to answer your question, um, it was really like I felt like I had to like pursue the knowledge required to um, understand the interview process, and then it took a lot of trial and error of actually interviewing to learn how to interview. If that makes sense. Did uh, so while you were learning, right? I uh, I think you said React, like you learned React, like Monstack at your bootcamp. Mm-hmm. That's correct. So how did that turn into you getting a job like your current job because i know that interview uh, like boot camps are pretty focused on a single thing like if they say react like they're focused on just teaching you react but when you go out there in the industry they may ask you a different thing they may ask you python they may ask you this like did those skills uh skills that help like transfer to this new uh, languages? So yeah, React definitely has transferred into um, learning Vue. Uh, there's there's some different ways with how the data binding works um, that are different than I'm learning how to do. Like you have to send emits in order to pass properties or yeah, props back to um, from the child component to the parent component. But it was the, the bootcamp was advertised as a full stack bootcamp, which I use that in quotes because I don't think you can really be 
a, a true full stack developer and, and like a like an individual contributor uh, per se. I'm I'm definitely using the wrong terminology here, but um, after just doing six months of of um, educational work, you you can't be you can't know the entire iceberg that is backend development. But they did brush up on a lot of topics, and we built full stack projects. And I think what led me, actually, I know what led me to this job was um, the design work I did because they're looking for someone that could do like styling, they had experience with like Tailwind and, you know, CSS frameworks like that. So they're looking for that. I happen to have that. And then working with Robert Half, the um, staffing company I'm with, they, you know, we all kind of just met up that way. But I think, um, I think the bootcamp did help me more than just learning React. I think if I learned just React, I would have been hurt because, again, the, the company that I'm, I'm working for now, they hired me because they're looking for someone with some kind of design specs or uh, skills, however you want to put that. Amen. So, yeah, man, uh, when you first got in the industry uh, on your first job, did it take you a while to acclimate to everything? Like, did you feel the imposter syndrome? Like, I don't know if I can really do this. It's like so much information. Yeah, so I'm definitely, um, see, imposter syndrome, that's a funny one that you say that because it's like I come from a musical background. Like, I've been playing classical guitar since I was like eight years old. So I'm not used to like struggling this much. Not that I haven't struggled ever, because classical guitar is a very challenging thing at a higher level. Um, but it's just, it's just so, it's a challenging thing. So just feeling that uncomfortable professionally, you know, for 40 hours a week and you get a paycheck for that, it's just very, it's a strange concept for, for me right now. But um, I guess there is a little imposter syndrome there, but I do have affirmations like from my manager, and my boss, they're, they're great. And they'll tell me, it's like, Hey, so I can see that you're visually frustrated that you are not understanding or not able to do this without assistance right now. It will get better. It will get easier. Our stack isn't changing. So just, you know, take your time and learn it. Um, and you'll be good. Cause right now they have me working on like a back back of house admin project and it, it's like backlogged from several years so it's one of those things when it gets finished it'll get finished kind of thing so that working without a deadline for right now is actually very good for that uh for the imposter syndrome and all that good stuff but um yeah no, it, it's it's been it's been a journey because you know you, you go from you go through the boot camp, you're somewhat proficient, then you build some projects outside the boot camp. It's like, okay, I'm really, really starting to get them where you venture off and you start, like I learned uh, Next.js um, outside the boot camp, and I learned a few other CSS frameworks. I'm like, okay, so we're really getting somewhere. I can see where this can, where this can go. And then you get into um, the professional environment. It's completely different. You have documentation and it's just a lot. It's been a lot this this month. I still feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose is what they they say at work what do you think the bootcamp bootcamp should have done better could have what done do better. i think mm. that is a really good question i think we would have benefited if we saw because i mean we did like the kanban boards kind of like um like using jira we did stuff like that we did um like the technical specs we did. I'm trying to think of things that they could have done better. I really would have loved to have seen like a day in the life 
of a developer kind of thing like not 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 like a field trip per se but if we had like this is what an average day of development looks like i mean it could have been like just notes that we could have uh read or something like that because the boot camp it sets you up it teaches you how to code but it doesn't teach you how to be a professional developer it's like a professional developer you have to do you have to deal with documentation you have to interpret um client needs and things of that nature there are just so many aspects of development in a professional landscape that i don't think were covered in the boot camp and i don't necessarily think that they could but i'm not sure about that last one i just think that that there's a critical um disconnect between learning how to code and then marketing that skill professionally do you think having a outside mentor would have helped you out oh absolutely i had a mentor still have one he's great he's the guy that uh, i was i mentioned earlier from the bay area he's a bay area um development veteran if it weren't for him i would be lost i would probably still be on the job hunt or still you know i i would be behind somewhere but just having ideas to bounce off of uh from him and then i was actually at a um some kind of reunion show uh for a band up in Richmond and i met this guy he's he does the whole digital nomad thing so he's actually out in Colombia right now but i met him when he was stateside and he's a senior developer over at Cava um so i've been networking with him and you know just bouncing ideas off of him so having people like that between the boot camp or even during the boot camp but between the boot camp and getting that first job is is critical it's just it's like um it's like you you can have a periscope to see what's around you know if you're a submarine you have a little, have a little periscope i'm trying to come up with a <laughs> with a metaphor here but having having some kind of lifeline to reel you in and to like you know give you some kind of a reality check is absolutely critical because it's easy at least it was easy for me to get kind of lost in thoughts of am i good enough i see all these job listings say they want 10 years of react i don't have that which by the way now they react to 10 years old so they can they can ask that and it's valid but you know it's a it's <laughs> a tangent for another for another day but um yeah no having a mentor is absolutely critical for anyone um that doesn't have a mentor network on linkedin if you need help networking hit me up that was like my thing that's that's how i got this job that's how i that's how i met kevin um it's huge it was my number one thing last year that it changed my life oh yeah networking is absolutely huge like so many doors open up just from knowing the right person but uh like in regards to your mentor what what are some of the uh better lessons that he taught you that are really relevant to you know your job so it's kind of like when you get a job you don't necessarily i guess i guess flashback to when you were younger you got your first job it could have been it like could have been fast food it could have been a restaurant you don't necessarily know what a good job is what a bad job is but over time you you understand okay these are what i don't like these are things that i don't like about this job these are things that i do like and then it's just like from then until retirement you're essentially trying to filter out the bad and maintain the good and i think having his perspective of okay this is what a good senior manager is going to do this is what or a senior developer this is what a good management team is going to do for you this is what you should just setting like milestones for me and telling me exactly what i should expect 
and, and that is just again it's critical because i i would otherwise have no idea what to expect what to know but i will say um there is a bad thing when it comes to that because you get a lot of opinions and you develop opinions based on their opinions and then you start to think uh, well, .NET is clearly antiquated, it's clearly horrible, and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, people have opinions on it. I don't, I'm, I'm too new to really care about .NET being good or bad. It's proven and it works and it's employing me right now, so that's how I feel about it. <laughs> but um, in terms of the opinions, though, that is, that's probably the only detriment to having a mentor because they may steer you in what would otherwise be the wrong direction away from an opportunity. Because if I, if I, I, and we're very off, off topic here, but if I, if I took his advice to a T and I did not, and I completely avoided .NET related jobs, I would still be on the job punt because regionally on the East Coast, it's a lot of enterprise and banking industry stuff. And it's a lot of legacy. I mean, our legacy code is in VB, VB.NET. So, I mean, if I took his advice, I, I would still be hunting for jobs that I probably wouldn't be eligible for. So a little, a little give and take there. Yeah, exactly. You know, mentors aren't perfect. You know, we all have our opinions and, you know, what may work for one may not work for the other. So I definitely see where you're coming, uh, coming from with that. Uh, did, did you have any questions for us? I know um, uh, you, you kind of wanted to ask us a few questions. Oh, I've got, let's see, what time is it? <laughs> got plenty of questions. Um, I would say, so y'all are both in Texas, is that right? Yeah, we're both in the DFW area. It's cold. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, what is the predominant tech stack that's used out there? Because I know like West Coast, you have the Mern, the Mern stack. It's very React heavy. East Coast, uh, we used Angular at one point. I think people are kind of getting rid of Angular because between two and three, your whole code base changes and it's a nightmare. Um, but we still use legacy code um, that's in the VB C Stark realm. But I guess in, in Texas, being that you have Austin, you have Dallas and and I, I've, I've just heard so many mixed things as far as like the technology there and like what people typically use. So I was just curious on uh, what y'all what y'all use at y'all's company. Uh, you want to go first, Raja? Yeah, uh, we use React at my company, but I would say instead of thinking it as like East Coast, West Coast, I would say think of it as a company because if you look at Amazon, Amazon uses a lot of Java in the backend. Like a lot of <laughs> And I can't say that, hey, they are from West Coast or East Coast. They're like literally everywhere. But that's a good point. You can learn what's trending. Basically, React is trending right now. Like React is the top. I mean, in even in React, there is Next.js that's like, you know, trending. Depending upon that, you can say that, hey, these are the jobs. These are the skills that you want to learn. These are the languages that you want to learn. In the back end, there is no JS, Python, Java. Those probably are the top three, I guess. Java is kind of tying at this point. Like there is Go and other things, Ruby, that mm -hmm. are coming up. I would say learn those skills and it would make it better. Yeah, for, totally. At least for the new developers coming in. And don't and don't stick to a language. That's the most important part. Try to learn skills that are language agnostic and not language specific. 
Yeah, because it's pretty interesting. Uh, like when I first came in, you know, Ruby on Rails was like real big and now it's pretty obsolete. Um, in terms of the technologies I've seen, it seems more like different industries lean towards different uh, different software, like uh, banking, finance. They seem to be more Angular based in general, whereas, uh, you know, like the smaller startups and all of that. And, uh, you know, a lot of companies really react as the, uh, the dominant front end framework now. But, uh, you know, like some startups, they might use Vue. In terms of the back end, uh, I see a lot of uh, C-sharp, you know, and uh, a lot of the legacy code, like you mentioned, in VB.net. Uh, Java's still out there, but, uh, yeah, I kind of feel like it's slowly being replaced by other languages like Golang. Uh, so, yeah, that, to me, that's the, the big point is that technology shifts in this industry so quickly. So, like Roger mentioned, being agnostic to technologies is really important. Like uh, you're going to find like a lot of the skills transfers uh, transfers over. Um, I'll say like one of the mainstays is uh, learning like SQL. because I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, I'm actually I was actually working on some SQL today. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the uh, crazy thing, it's not too hard to learn. I think no, no, I love I love W3 schools. So shout out to them for it's kind of <laughs> like this exists. You know, that's that's how my manager described uh, W3 schools. But I mean, it gets the job done. I, I think uh, to, to your I, point, Roger, talking about the difference between or calling it East Coast and West Coast, I think that actually is kind of a farce because it's because what Kevin was saying, it's more of an industry thing, because like in the in startup culture, it's very, you know, more of whatever technology people want to use and is available and then east not east coast um i think a lot of the east coast is finance and enterprise so i think i think that's why it is somewhat of a, a regional thing but i think we have a lot of banks on this side we have um we have truest over here or no not truest we have we have some bank over here then we have a lot of like our main client as well as fargo advisors so that's you know definitely banking and uh, I would say find yourself a good manager and not a good language. If it's even if it's a, I don't like Java personally. So even if it's even if you have a Java job, like you know, find yourself a good manager. Forget about the language. Language languages are something that you can learn, but managers don't come. Good managers don't come by easy. Yes, absolutely. Seems like you have a really supportive team over there. Uh, I've actually seen some people drop out of the industry because you know, they didn't get support from management. It's just kind of like uh, teach yourself, and if if you if you don't learn this, we'll fire you type of thing. And you know the the anxiety levels got so high that they just cut out of the industry. So uh, what I notice is like your manager notices. Okay, he's a junior. Take your time. Learn the stack. We're gonna you know stick with this stack. Like knowing, uh, you know, a manager that understands that different levels have different levels of progression. Like uh, it's going to take you a little longer to accomplish tasks. And, you know, you may ask a lot more questions than somebody who has like four years of experience. And, and you know, a good manager also gives you tasks based on your level. He's not going to have you architecting stuff because you're just coming into the industry. Yeah, I know. That's a 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Roger, to your point, um, as far as the manager versus the language, it's like, I could definitely see myself falling in the trap of trying to find like the, not the unicorn stack, but my, my dream stack, but then getting stuck in a, in a job where it's like, I have no support. I mean, granted, if say I have 20 years of experience and I don't need any support, that's a completely different argument. That's, that's not where I'm at, obviously, but you know, I, I feel like I do have like one of the most supportive managers I could have. And, you know, I've never used Vue. I've never used C Sharp. I've never used, I mean, the only thing that we have used or that I have used that we do use in our current stack is, is Tailwind CSS. And, but we're using it in such a way that I've never, I have no experience. So it's all, it's all pretty much brand new. So I, I, I the anxiety, Kevin, to your point is very much there, but um, acknowledging that, you know, you stick with it and then it's not going to just change tomorrow. We're not just going to go to Angular tomorrow. Um, that that is rewarding. Um, so there's that. And it's it's funny that you mentioned uh, having a good manager that will give you the right task. It's like we started off. He's like, all right, you're you you're a you're a front end guy. You're you do a lot with UI and a lot of your portfolio is front end stuff. How about we do we work on the front end of this project first? So we did that, and I was just like, yes, thank God. So a lot of what you're saying is kind of like an affirmation for. Um, for, for what I have. I feel like I really lucked out, to be honest with you, in terms of management. I think good, uh, good management, or good manager, I guess, gives you time to improve. Like I've seen a lot like where they just like push the task on you and that's it. They're, they're out of the equation. They don't support you. They don't, they're like, okay, get it done in two weeks. After that's it. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. They don't like ask you like, hey, do you actually know the stack? Do you actually know React? Do you actually know how complex this thing is that you're working on? Do you have the skills to do it? And if you don't, take this much time, create like a proof of concept or something, and then again, come back and integrate it into the actual app. That like giving time to somebody, it, like when a junior developer helps a lot because they learn by themselves. And that will like help out the company like exponentially because you learn something. Now you'll get faster at it. That will basically save them money by, you know, paying less to you, I guess, to get more out of you. No. Yeah. That makes sense. I absolutely, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Cause I mean, you're more productive if you're, I mean, mm -hmm. if you stress out, you end up dropping the job and they're going to have to spend even, even more time and mm -hmm. resources replacing you. So that absolutely makes sense. I think uh, something interesting is like when I first got in the industry of uh, coding in general, you know, you constantly feel confused, that feeling of confusion, like, man, I don't understand this. Like, this looks super complicated. I don't know if I'll ever get it, but it's kind of like if you stick with it and you pick up on piece after piece after piece over time, eventually it all comes together. And it's like, oh, this, this isn't hard at all. So like, I, I think uh, this is me personally i find like managing your psychology is one of the most important things you can do in the industry like avoiding getting psyched out and overwhelmed like uh and, and like like you know raja and you mentioned uh having a proper management is extremely important because if you have a manager that's not supporting you and you're just in the industry uh you're gonna feel like oh i'm not cut out for this uh i think i'm gonna quit so yeah i, I think i think uh 
like the, the psychological aspect isn't really talked about enough. Uh, I, I've had to train my mind to uh, stay in this industry because I've been in all kinds of different situations, some great management, some not so much. So I have seen that like why when you're at a job, you're like, you don't want to tell the manager or your developer or your senior developer, I guess, that you don't know something, you know? Nobody teach you this. You didn't teach yourself this. And they ask you to be like, hey, build this React component. And you don't know how to do it. You don't know how to use the library that they provided with you with. And you don't say it outside because you're like ashamed of yourself for, you know, not knowing this information. But the truth is you shouldn't have known that information because that's specific to that company. The company built that specific library to themselves. They're not going to put it outside. So the manager should be like, hey, take your time and learn it so that you can build it. Or the senior developers should be like paid programming, like sit together, go through this. Something like that. That helped me a lot while doing this at my company. Because just giving somebody enough time to learn something, they'll learn it. Unless you're like a very, very, very bad developer, you need to give time for people to learn. So uh, Sean made a comment. Uh, I've seen a lot of people on LinkedIn lately talking about how people get fired at Fangs for asking for help. That's so toxic. Yep. I mean, man, <laughs> I could not imagine. <laughs> they expected. That's what I'm saying. They expect you to be at the top of your game, like knowing every library out there but you're not nobody even if you have 200 years of experience just you still don't know all the libraries in javascript or you still don't know all the new features in react so there should be time that if somebody else knows it like if there is a lead developer or somebody that knows this code they should help you out they should reach you reach out to you or you should reach out to them and pair program with them yeah, power numbers for sure. I mean, that's what the I feel like that's what a development team should be for. But then again, I it's like I have opinions, but I don't know how valid they are because I haven't been, you know what I'm saying? I haven't been in the industry long enough. Like I don't, it's just my thought. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I, I think it's really important that you had good management uh, coming in because now it helps you, like if you ever go to another company, it helps you identify whether it's the, you know, the management is bad or it's you, you know, sometimes the management is terrible, but, you know, they're, you know, they're putting you on stuff that's beyond your level to not give you enough time to learn. And you think, oh, it's me. I'm not cut out for this job. And, you know, you end up quitting. So it's good that you're in a situation where, you know, your manager is showing you that, hey, this is what good management looks like. We're going to put you at a task that fits, you know, fits the, your current level. And we're going to, also challenge you so you're growing like they're not going to keep you at the same level forever that's exactly what's happening because i mean we're we're doing stuff that's more um i mean it started off with nothing but what i was familiar with like the first week was well i mean we started doing development work on day three which i was not i was prepared for that i just wasn't expecting it um actually this is a good question for all um i've heard of people they have they have to wait until like a month or two of shadowing their, I guess, senior developer before they can even touch code. I mean, is that 
is that real or is that just something I saw on Reddit? Or because I, I feel like I've heard that a few different places where it's like you, you are not almost allowed to even touch the code base until you've been with the company for a few months and have seen like the conventions and re read the documentation in the process. It depends. I work at a startup, so mine is from day one. You touch the code base. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But when you go to bigger companies, the piece of code that you're touching literally affects millions of people or like thousands of other developers everywhere. Because your team may be working on a very small thing looking from your side, but it's connected to so many other teams, so many other parts of the company that you need to learn the whole, like what your team is doing and what's everything, uh, wha how it's affecting other teams how it's working in integration with the whole, like, you know, distribution of all the other teams. And that makes the sense. documentation, I think in bigger companies is kind of like a lot. You have to do specifically. They'll, they'll comment on it. If you PR your code, there are going to be comments on your PR. They're specific on it because as I said, it affects not just your team, it affects the whole code base. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. Things uh, vary vastly from company to company. Uh, like Roger mentioned, startups, they don't have time to, you know, keep you away from the code for months. So they're going to have you on go from day one, touching all kinds of different things, doing all kinds of different tasks, whereas larger, you know, like the huge companies that can afford to onboard you more slowly and who have like these massive code bases that, you know, millions of users are using, they're going to um, probably watch you a little while before they let you uh, inject code because, you know, if you mess something up, that could affect, like, you know, I can literally lose millions of millions of dollars because your code knocked something out that, you know, was supposed to be running before. So, um, yeah, it kind of depends on companies, but I find like startups, uh, they're more likely to get you up and running immediately. And yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I'm on, you know, I'm the 11th employee, but we've been a business for over 20 years. So it's like this weird dichotomy of <laughs> of being in the banking industry for several years, but it's still a very, very small in terms of size, company size, small company. So I guess that's why they had me starting to y'all's point um, on day three, but I'm still not touching anything that could affect, could, that could affect uh, clients because we do work with, um, you know, like Wells Fargo advisors. I mean, that would that would be an issue. I'll just leave it at that. It would be a huge issue if I mess something up. So that makes sense. Yep. There are code bases. I th I think Google has a mono repo. So basically, like ninety percent of their code is just from a single repo. So oh when God. you're pushing your code through, like you'll be you'll have multiple PR, PRs going through multiple you know deployments going through it has to go through like the senior dev the staff the you know the manager like for it to like go through the whole code base and like you know you actually like merging into the the main code I guess yeah so it's kind of That's scary incredible. when you think about it that sounds terrifying to have a single repo for Google oh my god. I, I can't imagine the stress around that. At your current company, do y'all do code reviews? I believe we do. Um, I obviously haven't been a part of one yet, <laughs> oh. <laughs> given that answer. Um, 
right now I'm just I've just been doing we do a bunch of like little commits I don't know I, I think it's different in every company but like if I if I change one thing commit um, so I have my own branch that I've been working on eventually I, I I'm 99% sure we do have code reviews um, hmm. you know, PLs and all that or PRs yeah yeah once you make the pr somebody has to review it before it goes into the code base and they give you feedback like, hey change uh this variable name to this or you know do this kind of thing you know uh they usually have like some kind of built-in software where they can like leave comments under lines of your code and say hey make these changes before we merge it in um yeah we, we definitely have a code review i just you know okay i'm not there yet yeah, I know a lot of people, uh, sometimes they feel like they get attacked on the code reviews because, you know, there's people leave so many comments on their code. That's uh, something to prepare for, like never take it personally because the code isn't our baby. It's some, it's a product we're delivering to the company and, you know, other developers who, who might be more senior to us, they, they see things that we might ne not necessarily see and they're trying to get us up to standard, but. You know, sometimes it's also a personal preference in code reviews where you might have to defend your decision because, you know, your decision is perfectly valid, but they just have a different idea of how things should be done. Yeah. I mean, it's not against you. It's against your code that they're commenting. A lot of people take it personally that, hey, why is this guy commenting on my code? You know, why is this saying this? Why is he saying that? So just think of it as it's against your code, at least in the beginning stages for the first six months or one year, like you won't know your code code base or, you know, you don't know how to go through your code base. So they will be, I expect like whenever I join a new company or like whenever starting at a, at least the first six months or one year, I, it would be nice if I get a lot of comments and people should expect a lot of comments because you won't grow without other people commenting on your code. I've seen like every time somebody sense. commented on my code, there is something that I learned. There is some performance uh, enhancement that I couldn't do or this way of writing JavaScript is pretty bad, you know, like the industry standard is something else. And I wrote like, you know, multiple lines instead of a single line. Mm. Yeah, like personally, I'm trying to avoid developing opinions that are hindering in... Um, in my performance, I guess, like, I mean, there's developers have opinions. There's so many opinions, like just in terms of picking a, a front end uh, JavaScript framework, there, there are a myriad opinions just around that. So in saying that, I'm trying to avoid having opinions related to like, like to your point, like if you, if there's a comment saying, Hey, you should do it this way. It's like, great. The guy that knows more is telling me to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way. And that actually leads me to a question I have for both y'all. Um, in my position, if you were to, not, not even in my position, but if you were to go back to your first developer job, your first year, year and a half, what would you do differently? Um, and also what did you do um, that really set you up for success that you did well? No, you wanna go first, Roger? Yeah. Uh, I would say at my first developer job, I didn't have much of a learning, have much learning. I would say I should have learned React by myself. There was a lot to learn, but at that job, it was like coding every day. 
they was like I was not growing as a developer basically at that job. They're giving me things to code. I used to code and move on. Like I just like touched React all the time. Maybe if I would have you know touched other parts of the code, like if I I wrote like few SQL queries, I would say I should have like stepped up and taken the task myself instead of them giving the task to me. Let's uh, cool. most of the time you are like happy with what you get, I guess. And you're like, oh, I'm just cruising through. Oh, all my PRs are getting, you know, accepted. Everything is going good. That means that you're not growing. If all of your PRs are getting accepted and they're going through smoothly, and your job is going through smoothly, I mean, at least the coding part of the job, I, I think it's not. You're not growing as a developer. You're just cruising through life. Like, there should be some tasks that you can't do. There should be sometimes that hey, you can't complete this task in a week. You say it's a week, but you couldn't complete it. That means that you're trying to like step up at every few months, like take a different task. Ask your manager or your senior dev to give you a whole different task. See how you do it. See what the industry is doing. Maybe suggest them that hey, I want to work on this. Let me try to integrate that into my code base. Maybe that that can be your side project. Uh, I think I've heard this from Sean. I think it's from Sean. Uh, he said that do things on the side that helps the company and bring it to the company. Like once you're done, once you're like, hey, this is actually helpful, bring it to the company. Show the developers that hey, I worked on this on my on the side. Now I'm ready to show it to you guys, and they may actually tell you to work on it. Interesting. Yeah, for me, um, I would say my main flaws wasn't necessarily in the coding aspect, because more so in the social aspect. Like, uh, you know, a lot of times with coders, we were kind of introverted. We just want to come in, get the job done. We don't want to talk a lot. Uh, sometimes we don't want to joke around or any of that. But like, you're at a company and there's people all around you, and learning to integrate with the people and you know form relationships that's really what's gonna uh keep you afloat because uh you know if you're a good coder there's somebody who's a similar skill set to you but he's cool with the boss he's always talking to the boss they're hanging out after work when there's when there's cuts coming they're gonna cut you first because he's formed a relationship with the boss or if you need help um you know if if you kind of come off as like cold and uh you know you don't really talk to anybody people might not be as willing to help you as much as the guy that they're laughing with all the time and uh you know being social that's really going to propel your career as you get higher up because uh once you get higher up it's less about your technical technical ability and more about your ability to communicate with a team and help elevate others and you know, if you're not a good speaker or, or I'm not going to say necessarily speaker, but if you're not able to talk to different people without rubbing them the wrong way, you're not you're not going to be able to put together an efficient team. And uh, this is mm. a, another thing. Uh, one more thing is, uh, you know, when I first went into my job, you know, you know, coding culture back then you're kind of like a like considered like a rock star. So you could come in laid back like I said, a startup was really laid back. 
And, uh, you know, I would come to work like really underdressed, right? Like I even came to work with sweatpants on one time. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, the, the, the boss never said anything, but um, if, uh, you know, pe people really judge that kind of stuff. Like I've noticed guys that, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty good coders, but they always stay dressed really well. And they've got promoted to these higher roles way quicker than the guy who's an excellent coder, but he looks sloppy. He's not a good communicator. So like making sure you know your, your your job may let you dress down but i personally wouldn't because uh as soon as you walk through the door people are already judging you and the more you look the part you know the quicker you're going to get promoted to that uh higher level and what is it a dress for the job you want not the job you have kind of thing exactly yep i think somebody commented like if no one knows you no one can watch for you yes i we touched on this topic with a on the podcast with uh, Brian. You should go watch that back. Watch that podcast; it's pretty good. Like, you need to put yourself out there. That's the most like I missed that one in my first company. I guess put yourself out there. If you are doing some, if no one knows that you are working on it, no one's gonna recognize you for it. I mean, unless you have a good manager who actually knows what you're doing and vouches for you all the time. But most of the time, like the manager doesn't know what you're working on. And it, like, if it's a small company, yes. But if it's like a larger, if you ever go to a larger company, the manager doesn't know what you're working on. The lead developer knows, the other developer, your coworkers know, but the manager doesn't know. When it come, when time comes for a promotion or something, since the manager doesn't know anything, you have to fight a little bit harder to get that promotion compared to another mm. developer who's like who's putting himself out there who's like hey i'm working on this i'm working on that mm -hmm. like talking to people and like communicating saying that hey this is this this is this and like uh, getting new ideas into the team and like uh telling them that hey this can work this can work even if it doesn't work out even if the manager says no just you uh putting time outside of your work not outside of your work i guess but maybe outside of your work taking time to actually make the code base better or the communication between the team better hey this tool can help us out like slack can help us out do this 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 those are some things that matter a lot in big companies yeah i definitely agree with roger and uh sean Bullock, he's a co-host who's a CTO. He also mentioned communication is the key. And uh, yeah, like an another thing is like, uh, make sure you're not only spending all your time coding. I, I should have been, a, you know, more social, getting out more, networking more. Uh, that kind of stuff really matters because, uh, you know, like you mentioned on LinkedIn, just because, you know, we talked, now you're on the podcast. You know what I mean? Like so many opportunities come out come about just by reaching out to people and uh you know not being shut in all day like that was kind of my problem before i was like too insulated too focused on you know just getting my technical skills up to par yeah like stepping out of the comfort zone almost it's like we built this lifestyle where we can work from home for mm -hmm. some of us um and, and it has its benefits but it, it like it's kind of like modern society. Like we don't have to hunt for our food. Therefore, if we don't exercise, we'll get fat and lazy kind of thing. So it's like, it's like the same thing. It's like you have to actively work on your soft skills, which 
I like bef I was in if I wasn't in sales, I would be like the most introverted person ever. Like I probably wouldn't have even like if if you invited me on on this podcast and I had been in you know in that same mindset without the sales experience, I would be like, oh god, terrifying, can't do it. Um, so I think like every role has some kind of opportunity to like you know stretch and 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 grow you like push the envelope and and the way they are describing like um developing as a developer I, this is a better way of putting that but um growing as a developer the way y'all are describing their um some of the things they're like affirmations but some of them are new to me so i'm i'm definitely gonna be like watching this podcast over again just to take notes <laughs> the i wanted to ask you this that how many people like your friends or something in boot camp do you have jobs right now what percentage like a rough estimate so it was pretty low i'm not gonna lie um it was probably after the first three months only okay so 30 people started the boot camp i'll just start from the beginning so i think it was 30 or 35 people started the boot camp i think 18 people finished the program and i was the 18 i think four or five people got jobs and then a few years later you know I think half of us at least are employed, but it seems like a lot of people were overwhelmed by the boot camp. I've heard mixed things about the boot camp that I attended. Um, personally, it was a good experience for me. I had a TA that was a little, little. It was kind of like, oh, look at me, I'm, I'm Mr. TA, you know, kind of thing. So that was a little hard to work with and that definitely impeded the, or didn't, it didn't impede anything, but it definitely um, rubbed me the wrong way. But outside of that, it was a good experience, but I would say just above half got a job. Half. Which is, oh, you mean 20, oh yeah, yeah. Half yeah. the boot camp and half got the jobs, okay. Yeah, so I'm, it's not, not great numbers. <laughs> Yeah, because I see like boot camps advertising as if like everybody's getting the job. Everybody mm -hmm. who's joining the boot camp is getting the job and like they're getting the job in the next three months or something. But when, when I go on LinkedIn, it's like it's like 10% or 20% of the people who go to boot camp actually get the job. And that too, not because of the boot camp. That's one of the biggest reasons. Yeah, They go out, they network, they get mentors, they me. have their friends somewhere. I'm like, what, what is the point of these ads that these boot camps keep pushing towards, you know? Yeah. I guess uh, I guess 95% of these people eventually get jobs <laughs> yeah. through, right. through their own means. So something I find out about this industry is that it always comes down to you. Like, if you want to be successful, you will. And you always have to have the uh, attitude of, like, I can get it done, like, you know, I might hit my head against the wall a hundred times, but on that hundred and first time, that's when um, I'll figure it out. Kind of like, you know, like playing like Call of Duty or something. When you first start out, you're going to die over and over and over and over, but start piecing together little little strategies, little tips, and then start getting better. So like, you know, even with the boot camp thing, uh, you know, the boot camp can't put us, any of us in a job. And even if they did, uh, if we didn't do what we we're supposed to do, we we're going to just fall right out the industry because, you know, we're not preparing ourselves. So it, it all comes down to 
us taking ultimate accountability and saying like if nobody's doing it for me i'm gonna find a way to do it myself like i've had to do that on several of these jobs like nobody's really helping me with this particular thing so i have to spend hours outside of work researching and learning this particular aspect and the good thing about that is the more self-motivated you become you eventually become a go-to guy you become the expert on the team in this particular thing and that's how you really get promotions fast like oh hey uh you know patrick he, he knows the answer to this question and when like so many people keep bringing your name up like oh yeah ask patrick uh he should know the answer you know that you're your manager your boss is looking at that like oh man patrick he, he's he really knows what he's doing let me uh let me make him the team lead you know so i would say like um it is another thing like a lot of times at jobs if you get a lot of work some people get angry at it but you should take that in stride because that's giving you more experience and that's going to allow you to move up quicker and i, I should have mentioned that before as what i would have uh done like differently at my last job because you know when you first starting out you feel like underqualified so you're not going to volunteer for stuff you're going to try to stay away like stay in the background because oh, i don't want to fail at this task but you know sometimes volunteer for something that's challenging and you know you're going to struggle but after you struggle you're going to have knowledge that you didn't have before and you're going to demonstrate to the company that you're somebody who steps up and goes after things as opposed to waiting for it to come to you yeah yeah that's I mean, a good point not every manager is gonna keep on giving you something for you to grow on they're gonna think about the company too because they need you to code they need to to work on let's just say if you're a front-end developer they need you to work on the front end if you want to learn something from the back end or something you have to do it by yourself like you have to step up and volunteer for that work they're not going to hand it to you because they they want the front end to be done but if you want to volunteer put in the extra time to learn the back end put in the extra time to actually like go and learn the steps and be like make them make your manager trust you that hey this person can actually do the work well, Sean, yeah, Sean Bullock, point. Sorry, go oh, go ahead. Ahead. oh yeah i was saying sean bullock mentioned an interesting point he said more work is good but learn your boundaries becoming a bottleneck in the spotlight is unpleasant so yeah you do kind of have to balance that out too i was gonna say um i was thinking about um as far as like asking for work essentially um on top of what i'm doing since my workload is like really low and manageable right now um given my skill level um i was gonna see if i could do like more unit tests for c sharp just so i could get used to working in c sharp i guess my question is if y'all were in my position and you came from one language and it's like the idea of being language agnostic i've heard that before and, and i acknowledge the value in that and i definitely want to be there how would you i guess specifically learn going from javascript to c sharp because i know it's like it's strong type it's it's less forgiving in some ways i mean and there's a lot more you have like seven or eight um uh, integer types for example i can't remember the number but in javascript you have number <laughs> so it's it's like learning these differences but i guess how would y'all approach that if you were me or anyone else in my position I sure say, i'll go ahead roger yeah i would say take take time out of outside of your work 
because this this is not something that you learned at boot camp this is something that you have to learn by yourself and you should learn it outside of your work even though it is bad to learn do things outside of your work time or something i would i would i personally like if i want to learn something i do it outside of my work because i want to you're not only doing this for your work you're not only doing you're doing this for yourself cuz you want to be good at it cuz your manager is not going to tell you to you know write unit tests or do all this or do all this cuz he doesn't know you you need to put yourself out there saying hey i've learned all this unit tests now give me a task that contains unit tests so you need to be confident in yourself for you to be confident in yourself you have to go out there and don't think of it as a javascript to c sharp just go learn c sharp yeah no there is a point between uh, like trying to like juggle two languages where like oh javascript is something that i learned i'm going to take all the concepts and put it in c sharp no sometimes you just have to learn a language for your company for work basically not the company just learn the language uh, if you want to improve in it go ahead do that extra work yeah i agree but uh like from, from going from javascript to c sharp you know typescript is kind of like the in between the two languages yeah. so like typescript allows you to optionally type stuff so that you're not like always wrestling with types which can be really confusing as a new developer so i would say you know like if you want to go from javascript to c sharp go to typescript because it's, it's kind of like similar between to, between the very two and then you know once you once you're comfortable with types then you can go to something like c sharp which like requires you to be much more cognizant of types but uh yeah i would say like just like how you learned javascript before when you didn't know it you just learn things piece by piece by piece so when you look at c sharp you're going to see hey a lot of this stuff carries over like a lot of stuff carries over between programming language conditionals loops etc the the core programming concepts carry over is just like you know the syntax is might be different or you know one is more strongly typed versus the other so yeah um the, the key really is just to uh get a you know like find a small c sharp application run through it try to recreate it like play around with it and then you know do do some research on those elements that you don't really know and also realize you don't have to know everything like you don't have to know the complete c sharp type system you really what happens is it's like okay uh i don't know this particular thing i'm using a number here uh what type of number then you realize okay there's ints and then you know you know there's like floats and decimals and stuff like that and depending on your need you can just like tailor your research a little more you know you you're never going to know everything so and uh sean bullock said multiple languages helps like sql and c sharp when they do different things but need to cooperate to make the app work but if they can replace each other better to learn one at first yeah so that definitely makes sense and i've heard about people they try to learn like everything all at mm -hmm. once but they don't like dive deep into one thing and which i could see that being an issue yeah now i have a little experience with TypeScript, uh, working in React, uh, that coming from my my mentor, he said that 
something to the effect of it's like JavaScript developers should know TypeScript. Uh, that's what that was his words. I don't know if that was an opinion or if that's true. I see heads are nodding, so maybe it's true. <laughs> um, so it, it was crazy because I was learning about like um, event types. Like I didn't know that like there was a mouse click event type. Like I thought that was just an event. I didn't know it was a type. Mm -hmm. So there's so much to this stuff. Like the more I learn, the the less I really feel like I understand, which I guess is you know it's part of the battle. But it's yeah. it's it's good. I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, I think uh, types scare a lot of people away um, because they seem like something crazy, but it's really like okay, a variable is pretty much like a box that you put different things in. In JavaScript, you know, it's loosely typed. You can put anything in this particular box. You can put like a toy, you can put a computer, you can put whatever in that box, in that variable. Whereas like something that's strongly typed, you put in a label, like only this can go inside this box. Like uh, you know, only toys go inside this box, whereas only computers go in that box. You're pretty much with types saying that only this type of thing can go in this variable. And, uh, you know, when you really look at it, like you mentioned, there's like, you know, uh, eight different number types, you you know what I mean? But a lot of them are really the same thing, but like just different sizes of that particular thing. Like a float deals with decimals, whereas a double is pretty much similar to a float, except it's, you know, larger. So there's a lot less types than you would think. It's just like, you know, it's the same thing, but it's different sizes of the same thing. And I would say when you're learning something, like if you want to learn something, there's a difference between, uh, between learning for your career and learning for the company. Those are two different things. If you want to learn something for your career, you need to actually like learn it outside of your work, like put work in. But if you want to learn it for your company, that's a different thing. So you need to think about, hey, do I want this as a career? Then it's okay to chill, you know, it's okay not to learn new things. It's just the company. The next company you go to may or may not have this. But if it's like, oh, I need to learn JavaScript for my whole career, I'm going to be in JavaScript for the next like 20 years or something or at least five years, I guess, go ahead and learn it. That makes sense. Yeah, I've actually been putting off, I've been wanting to learn like the 3JS library and uh, React Fiber, WebGL, that whole realm. I've been wanting to learn that for a while, but I kept telling myself like, well, it's not gonna help me get a job because no one's, you know, the, the, the amount of people hiring for that kind of work is, is so much smaller. So I, I've just been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and I really just need to learn it. Cause I want to, cause it's like, why would I not want to do it if I want to do it, you know, to that point. But, but now this has been very informative. I feel like this was all just like teaching me things for an hour. I feel like it's been great. I've, I've been, I've been really enjoying this. Yeah, man. We, we definitely like to have you back, especially when we have like a uh, Sean Terrence and some of the other guys on the podcast. So you can ask uh, even more guys, um, but yeah, I know it's the top of the hour and I got to get out of here. Uh, did y'all have any closing thoughts? I mean, don't believe what they say in bootcamp ads. Not everybody's getting a job. <laughs> That's what Amen to that. Yeah. If, yeah. If you want a job network, if you want help with networking, direct message me and we'll talk. All right. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you for commenting. Amani, Terrence, Sean. Uh, we'll catch y'all next time. Peace.
Thanks for having me, y'all.